Good evening, everybody, and welcome along to the Still Parents podcast. Um, I hope, you, hope everyone is okay. My name is Dan. Right, Ryan, before I start, by the way, can you hear me okay? Yeah, I can hear you absolutely fine. Excellent. That voice you, you can hear and probably see if you're watching the Facebook stream is Ryan Jackson from the Lily May Foundation. Evening, Ryan. How are you? I'm very well. Thank you, Dan. I'm very well. Uh, a bit sunburnt. You could probably see I look I a bit I was going to say. Yeah, it's... Uh, I wasn't it's sure great. if it was a filter or if... Uh... No, I'm burning up here. I've got all the windows open in the office. It's baking. It's uh, it's, Freddie's, <laughs> it's Freddie's 10th birthday, so I've literally yes. sat in all day. So it's... Uh, even though it was like 12 degrees, it, it was warm. It was actually really warm. So It was a nice day, yeah. Happy birthday, Freddie. You went, you went to Rock Up in Birmingham, wasn't it, you were telling me? We did. We went to Rock Up yesterday. Did the Leap of Faith. Right. Yeah, I know the one you mean. Uh, well, we're going there next week, actually, for my, my uh, daughter's yeah. nine. I wouldn't, I wouldn't call it the Leap of Faith. I think he just stepped off the platform and just fell, really. He didn't try and jump <laughs> or anything, so yeah. Did you have a go, Ryan? No. And we are joined, as ever, by Matt Whitehouse. How you doing, Matt? You okay, buddy? I'm all right. Yeah, it was nice. We've we've been around to one of my friends' houses today to get the kids together a little bit. It was yeah. nice, just a bit, bit of normality in the back garden. For oh, us. Of course, uh, yeah. It's the is this the first podcast that we've done? I think we're is this our ninth episode overall where we've yeah. not been in lockdown. I think yeah, we could have done this from the pub actually, Dan. We could have done. Uh-huh. We have been talking about that idea, haven't we? So let's make it happen. So we have Ryan and we have Matt and our guest on this evening's podcast is joe riley how are you joe riley are you well thank you very I'm much very for joining well, thank us you. thank you for uh thank you for having me on and you are in manchester manchester yeah. so joe's coming on uh to the podcast a little bit of background about joe you may you may if you're an avid football fan recognize recognize joe's face he is currently playing for mansfield town do you want to do the do the previous clubs that you've played for joe so i don't steal your yeah. thunder so i've started i started um off at bolton then I went on loan to Oxford, from Oxford, signed for Bury, Shrewsbury, Plymouth, now Mansfield. So done a bit of a tour of tour of England, to be honest. Mayor Miles then, Joe, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I remember back in the day, it was when Joe left Bolton that they became rubbish. Yeah. That was the whole thing. <laughs> it was um, around nine or ten years ago, I think, wasn't it? Joe, yeah. thank you so much for, for coming on. Um, obviously, we are here because the Lily Mae Foundation with Ryan and Amy and with Matt, we've been doing this now since uh, around about November, just talking about all things baby loss and uh, mental health, in particular from the angle of us men, because we, we don't talk a lot. You know, it's quite a bit of a stereotype, isn't it? So here we are. And yeah, we're just going to talk about Joe's experience. If anyone would like to ask a question or leave a comment, if you're watching on Facebook Live, please do so at any point. And if you are just listening back through the through the podcast section, through Apple or Spotify, wherever you get your podcast, don't forget you can listen back to any of our previous episodes. In particular, it was two weeks ago where we spoke to an incredible man called, I mean, every guest we've had on has been amazing, but Ian with his, uh, his running for Hank that he's doing. What's your fitness like, Joe? We had a guy on two weeks ago and he's doing 10 marathons in 10, 10 days. It's not, no, he's not great at the minute because my knee's knackered at the minute. But uh, <laughs> normally I'm okay, but yeah, I need to, I put on a few pounds, so I need to lose that. And yeah, so for hopefully in the next next month or two, I'm, I'm hoping to be like fully, fully running and, and yeah, hopefully my knees, my knees are good and can get back playing football, which is what I love to do. How long have you been out for? I've been out for around about, I think nine months. Oh wow! Yeah, 
I mean, that, so you've really had the full lockdown experience then because oh, yeah. you couldn't really move and the rules being as they were. Yeah. How did you, how did, how have you found that? Was it a good um, time to have the injury or a bad time if you, if you had to pick one? To be honest, though, like, you know, when I, well, I've been to a couple of games. They're not, they're not the same without the fans. It's quite, yeah. They're all like practice matches. They're just, mm. they have that feel to them. And I just, if there's ever a season you want to miss, it's probably this one, to be brutally honest. Cause oh, there you go. It seems every every other day that Mansfield have been playing. I'm surprised all the lads are knackered, to be brutally honest. <laughs> would you would you mind, and you can take as long as you like doing this or as or as little amount of time as you like, just telling everyone about your story, your situation yeah. and and what happened. Yeah, so um my we had a little boy called Leo. So like I'll start from the beginning really. Mm. So I met my wife now, Kaylee. Met on a night out. Uh, um, I offered her a drink, uh, I offered her a Jaeger. <laughs> she's duly obliged um, and then yeah we just was going out for a few years obviously boyfriend and girlfriend got to a stage where we wanted kids so we started trying for babies and um, well, at the time we was getting pregnant we had a few miscarriages well more than a few sorry and then we went privately thought we'd solve the problem because we got to a 12 weeks and everything was fine which is something that we hadn't done before Everything we thought everything was like brilliant. We're going for scans, just normal scans, really. And yeah, twenty six weeks. We obviously lost. We obviously lost Leo. So tough time. Very very tough time. Sure, sure. You lads can, you know, with with what you've done and people you spoke to can can back me up on that. Um, I was playing for Shrewsbury at the time. We had a game that day, and I remember Kaylee coming down the stairs just saying that yeah, she. I not felt a baby kick and the last, I think, day. So we rushed off to hospital, um, had a scan and obviously found out the dreaded news. It, to be honest, that looking back, it was all all a bit of a blur like that mm. that time. Um, when just, Sorry, when was it? If, I can't remember if you already said that. Was it 2000? No, so we were 2018, was it 18? Right, yeah. Okay. Yeah, March. March 18th, born 2018. So yeah, it was um, like you say, the toughest time of our lives. It was, it was extremely tough, but we're we're strong. Well, my, my missus is a lot stronger than me, to be brutally honest. Um, it was it was a tough time, like you say. Obviously, then after then she has to give birth to him. We're quite lucky, really, that the hospital where we was at, they had a room like a bereavement room. Mm. So we got to spend the night with him, which was fantastic. The best thing we've ever done. You know, obviously uh, cuddled him and and it got got a load of pictures and then yeah, came away the next day and shortly after that he had his funeral, which again to be honest that around that time was a bit of a blur. Mm. I can't really remember the funeral to be honest. I, I remember doing a speech and you know crying my eyes out and everything, but no, it's it, looking back it was it was all a bit of a blur. I think just emotions and. I was quite lucky at the time. The club that I was at, Shrewsbury, was very, very good with me. They kind of gave me the time off, which I needed. The manager was excellent. And yeah, I kind of had a couple of weeks off and then just went back into it and thought, thought I got the grieving out of the way, to be honest. But the pain never goes away. I think about him every day. Still have. We've got, we've got a picture of him in the front room. So he's always with us. That's one thing with all of the guests that we've had on so far. It's a, a recurring theme especially when he said the blurriness about everything. Yeah. Uh, there was one chat that we had on a, um, I think it was just a few episodes ago, 
and got to the point where he was talking to uh, Ryan's wife, Amy. And I think it was not so long after, after they'd lost a child and said to Amy, I actually feel okay. I'll be all right. And then it mm. was a little bit further on down the line that things, you know, really got on top of him, really threw himself into work. Was this, was this something you can relate to? Was there a particular, was there a moment where everything, the, the blurriness is there? It was, a, it was a time where you just, you want to speak about it. So like reality kind of sets in. I know, I know, I know definitely know the feeling. So we, around that time, we, um, my contract was coming to an end. Um, so March, we ended up, at the time, at Shrewsbury that season, we had a really good season. We had a really good team. People like Ben Godfrey, Dean Henderson. We had a lot of good players, really good team. I was in and out the season, really more out than in. I think came came into the season, we like missed the first, I think, two months of the season. I broke my leg on the last game of the season before, so injuries again. You've not had much luck with your injuries, have you? Oh, mate, honest to God, yeah. Mm. <laughs> I've, got a li- I've got a list longer than my arm, I think, of injuries. So, um, yeah, so we my contract was coming to an end, so we got married. So, sh- sh- sorry, after that, shortly after Leo, it was Kaylee's dad's um, idea that we should get married. We were engaged at the time. Mm. And he was like, listen, you need, you know, do something that will make light of the whole situation. We had a holiday booked to Portugal and then literally planned a wedding within, I think, about eight weeks, 12, eight to 12 weeks. Oh, wow. And it was, it was honestly brilliant. It was the best thing we did, really. Because we kind of had the sadness, yeah. but then some, like, especially for, for Kaylee, something <laughs> to look forward to. There was a focus, and it was a still, you know, it was a focus within the family. So yeah, yeah, yeah. And he was like Leo was a massive part of it. He was. We had a balloon um, behind us when we were getting married, a big blue balloon, and we let it go uh, when we cut the cake. He was a massive theme, massive theme of the speeches. So yeah, like you say, that was that was a good thing that we went and did that. But on actually on my wedding day, we, my agent, who's a really really good mate of mine, we uh, he texted me saying, "Oh, Plymouth, uh, I've come in for you." So I was like, Plymouth at the time, like you know, uh, going well. They just had a good season in League One, and I knew one lad down there, Anthony Sarsovic, a good mate of mine, and he was like, "Yeah, you know, you should you should definitely be up for it." I told her, Kaylee, we'd just been married. She was like, "Yeah, oh yeah, you know, oh, it could be good." I think, and like mum mm. and dad, uh, Kaylee's mum and dad, everyone was dead nervous about us obviously making a, a, a huge um, upheaval in that. Yeah. So we moved down and then, yeah, kind of, I think the, the struggle for me came came a couple of months that, in, into moving down there, really. We, mm. I've never I've never lived away from Manchester, never. And it's quite, uh, a, quite a trek, isn't it, to Plymouth? I think the first time we went down, it took us about eight hours. Yeah, it's just far. It was just like, you know, what, what have I done here? You know what I mean? But to be fair, it's a, it's a brilliant place. Honestly, like, I met some fantastic people. And it's a great way of life down yeah. there. You know, we, we lived over in Cornwall. So, yeah, we to be fair, we loved it. But we're, we're quite home birds and we, we need our family and support system around us, especially at the time, really. I mean, I think it was like, well, would have been four or five months after losing Leo yeah. that we made the, the choice to, to move away from our families which looking back it's definitely for me it was a poor choice I think for my mental state really it was I found it tough How much of an impact did the family life and the situation with Leo affect your mentality as a, a professional athlete? I was down we ended up doing 18 months down there to be honest like, when, like you say when I moved down I thought oh you know this 
know, big club, da da da. See, everything seems great. You know what I mean? We, for the first month, it was all new, so everything was new. We were going to new places, and then <coughs> I think around about September, October time, like reality setting. Really, uh, we was a million miles away. The games were setting in. We were, seemed like we were in every single day, so I yeah. felt like I never really had time to come home and be with Kaylee. And like you say, I, at the time, I actually, I actually thought when we lost Leo, it was like felt like a year ago. Oh, it, was, okay. it was only like it was only like four or five months ago. Where it was still quite raw, you know what I mean? Um, mm. And I remember, yeah, literally just remember thinking mm. at the time, like mm. not enjoying football. I wasn't particularly playing well, but I'm, the reason I wasn't particularly playing well because obviously my, my, my oh, yeah. head wasn't head wasn't in it to be brutally honest. But no, it was like you say, it was it was a tough time because first time moving away from home, even though mm. it was. It was I was 27 at the time. I've I've always never even playing for Shrewsbury. I used to travel in from Manchester. It was uh, that's all I've ever known is to live live where I've round the corner from my mum and dad. Kaylee's parents are, are close by. Good good firm. Got a really good group of friends. So to to have all them kind of taken away from you and uh, yeah, like I said, they find it tough. Just picking up a little bit on what what you said there. Mm. It's interesting that um, you said you weren't playing well and. And stuff like that, and then I think from <clears throat> from a football point of view, of course, um, fans only see the game, don't they? You know, yeah. they only see the performance. It's interesting because not just on a on a football level, but I think Ryan will, I'd imagine Ryan will back back me up here in the fact that you, it's almost like you have to put on an act yeah. to a point when you lose. I found that that um, I was having to put kind of two two different sides. To, to me on and then I think yeah. that sometimes people who didn't know what had happened or understood what had happened they didn't know what was going on behind the scenes because of course and listen everyone can put put that side on and then go home and yeah and um but I imagine being in being being a footballer and having you know a few thousand people watching you every week um you know, it's a very cynical world at times, isn't it? That's yeah. The problem, like, you know. I mean, as well as well at <clears> round <throat> about that time, because like I say, it was still raw. I did struggle talking about it. Yeah. So I remember, like, just straight after, uh, well, after Leo, I remember <clears> I used to have a car school driving to Shrewsbury, so it was like four of us. Good, really got on with all four of them, great lads. And I never, like, first time getting in the car after it happened, I never even spoke about it. It was like, oh, you're right, Joe. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, to be honest, I don't think they wanted to. But mm. looking, looking back, like how I should have, you know what I mean? I, I probably just wasn't ready to start talking about it. I remember even going down to Plymouth. And I think one of the lads actually spoke to me about it. And he actually said, oh, you know, we went for an hour time, didn't you? I was like, yeah. And I remember welling up. I remember my throat. Mm. Jeez, you know, I couldn't get my words out. That was the first time, really, that someone had asked me about it. You know, mm. one of the lads are, like I say, football is quite a, an industry where you don't, no one, no one talks. It's, you don't want to show weakness. You don't want to, you don't want to yeah. kind of let people know that you've, you know, you might be struggling back home and you're not happy because the manager, you might get wind. The manager might get wind. You don't play on a Saturday. You don't play on a Tuesday. Yeah. So it's a, it's a cutthroat business. Mm. Trust me. <clears throat> I, I, I'm, I'm like a lively character in the dressing room. I'm always taking the piss out of people. So that was that was what I like to do. Come in, yeah. Kind of what what was at home was at home, but come in, talk to the lads, have mm. banter around the lads, and everything's forgotten about. 
But then, obviously, when you're driving home, yeah, and them emotions and them feelings and them thoughts still come back to you. Do you ever get to a point, though, Joe, where you, I don't know, you might be in the middle of a game. I'm not saying for one minute anybody would be nasty enough to direct abuse at you. You know, yeah. I, mean, I know I know Jack Grealish got a lot of abuse about about his younger brother from yeah. fans from a, from a rival club and so forth. And you like mm. to think that society would, you know, step away yeah. from that. It's only a minority of morons that do things like that. But yeah. you, like Matt says, you're, you're in a cutthroat business whereby you're playing a game and let's be honest, you get dogs abuse for... Yeah. You know, the majority of that game from not only the um, opposition supporters, but also potentially from some of your own supporters who are not playing well and stuff like that. So more than ever these days with social media, isn't it? It's just relentless. Yeah. How how do you cope with that knowing that you're playing a game and you might have, we're all human and we'll try our best to, you know, put ourselves into a position mentally, whatever that may be, to do our job. But there becomes a point where you get to anniversaries or you get to certain times of the year, mm. birthdays, Father's Day, Mother's Day, things like that, where emotion just takes over. It doesn't matter how much you try and, you know, prepare yourself to to not react to that. I'm just interested in how, as a, a professional sportsman, you cope with something like that because... Yeah. See, I, I, I never really experienced it, to be honest. I like I always had good... good um, good connection with the Bolton fans never like I, I always used to get the, the odd comment always made of glass he's always injured <laughs> uh, but I always like always even now speak to the odd Bolton fan the window cleaner's a Bolton fan in my house and he's always like bloody hell should have kept you da, da, da. <laughs> so I've always had like good comments and always yeah. online never never anything bad off my own fans but like I said when I moved to Plymouth I think I, get, I give away a penalty which is the only penalty I've ever given away in my career on my first game, on my debut for him. <laughs> so I was like, I kind of expected a little bit there. And then I think the next game after that, I was, was crap again. So I was like, oh my God. And then I started getting a bit of abuse. And I remember <clears> like looking <throat> online, my missus is big on like Twitter and Instagram. I was getting a little bit of abuse. So obviously that's, I think that's then when, uh, just before that probably is when I started, you know, reality setting about, okay. about everything with Leo and then started getting a bit of abuse. And you, you're sens- you're a little bit more sensitive to everything, I think, on top of that. A- a- yeah, anyway, of course, yeah. Mm. So I found it, I found it tough. I remember, mm. I remember, I, just, I remember getting a throwing, and um, one of the Plymouth fans went, "Rally up!" And I never had that. And it, yeah. honestly, it was like, but it kind of, looking back, it definitely made me tougher because yeah, I went, I actually, you know, turned it around. I went on to do okay for after that. Really, I did quite well, but. Did yeah, you ever look out for that same fan? Was he a season ticket holder? So next time yeah. any throw in, you're like, yeah, he was, he was he? on the field. What do you think? Oh, now? I just remember him. I just remember him saying, "Rally or do," and I was like, "I've never experienced that." You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. But it's like you say, them them mm-hmm. kind of experiences make you suffer, and I, I always knew it went on. I, I never yeah. really experienced yeah. it before that, so I was quite lucky, really, to get to the age that I was and never really have abuse yeah. off, off my own fans or opposition fans, so to speak. Funny old Bonjami of football football fans because of it, you know, we we give it's all about the banter and you give your your mates team stick and you know, me and Ryan will have it out and uh, not so much Matt because he's a baggies fan, so he's a bit delicate. <laughs> but at the same time, I always said football is the the world's 
biggest healer in a way. I'm yeah. the radio show I'm doing at the minute. The studios are based out of Liverpool, so I was on air doing my show at six six minutes past three last uh, Thursday when it was the anniversary of the Hills uh, disaster in the '96. And just still, obviously, the, the magnitude of it, but the way that brought sport together and the reaction with the Everton fans, obviously a lot of them in the same families as other Liverpool fans. And that was my first experience of being in and amongst it on the anniversary from working up there. And it's when you, when you, when you first went to Plymouth after this, did, was this something that the fans knew about? Was it, was it something uh, which was out well, there much? Was it something I, you wanted to talk about at the time or? I think so, because I did that. So the summer well, that summer I arranged to do a walk. So I wanted to raise some money for the hospital because um, it was so good with us. And we had an idea that we should do a waiting room at the hospital. So we, uh, I was like, you know, we came up with an idea. Kaylee's from from Poulton in Blackpool. So I said, right, we'll we'll do a walk from from where we live in Worsley to Blackpool, raise some money. And we managed to raise seven and a half grand, which is like obviously a lot of money. That was good therapy for me. It was like, you know, we've turned a, a horrible situation into we've raised some money, mm. we've you know, got a load of support. And actually, a lot of the Plymouth fans started donating because I, sat, I signed for the club just before I did the walk. Okay. Yeah, so a lot of them started donating. So obviously, they, they probably knew about it. But at the end yeah. of the day, I, I was a player for their football club. Exactly. I just like, I, I expected it. You know what I mean? I'm a Man United fan. If someone was playing crap for United, I'd, I'd, I'd be like, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? I yeah. expect it. Like, it's football. It's, it's an emotional basket. reaction, isn't it? 99% of, of course, time. And of then course you get the idiots, don't and, you? But... And, and I, I get it. I perfectly get it. But to be fair, going 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 back before that, when I remember my first game back to Shrewsbury, and I remember coming on uh, coming on the game, mm. and the the support that I got singing my name when I came on, um, it was that that I re- I remember really well enough when I when I started running onto the pitch when I got such a great reaction. And yeah, around about around about the time when obviously the news broke about Leo, we should. The message of support that I received from all football fans—I mm. mean, that was that was touching and that was great. You know what I mean? Rival fans, obviously, you know, offering messages of support. There's, yeah. there's nothing, there's nothing better than that. And that, I'm, I'm really happy to hear that because there was something that you said that I'm, I want to pick up on. You said about ten minutes ago that you'd fell out of love, understandably so, for a while. Fell out of love with the game. Yeah. And I wanted to bring Matt onto this because there you went through a, a similar thing didn't you with your, your you spoke about it on a previous episode now Matt was a semi-pro manager for a few teams so obviously looking after <laughs> players and it was around about this the, well I'll let Matt explain everything because I think you went through a very similar situation with falling out of love I was manager at Willing All Town and then I was coming to the end of that period and um and I, I, I kind of felt I'd probably done enough there and, and I was look I got another job at Gornal and um I I went I got I accepted the job uh on the eighth of May. I remember it's the eighth of May and then we lost Cali on the first of June. So it was only what three weeks between something like that. And I just carried on. I suppose like Joe, you know, um, Ryan's been involved in football. When you're involved in football it's kind of all you know. It's what you do and it's all what I'd done. And I suppose I just tried to continue doing what I've been doing. Started pre-season training with Gornal the day after her funeral. All of a sudden, I was sat, stood in front of, what, 30 lads trying to sort of engage them and speak to them and things like this. And um, 
yeah, it, I tried to I tried to um, use it as a distraction. Truth is, looking back, I should have quit the day that we lost Cali. As as I've continued to be a coach and stuff, I think it's made me more. It's helped my empathy, and it's helped me um, with dealing with players because me and Dan were chatting a little bit before we came on on, on live, and and I said that um, like anyone in any profession, you, you just don't know what that person's going mm-hmm. through. You know, you don't know what day they've had. And obviously, the difference with semi-pro is that compared to the professional game, is that we have lads twice a week normally, mm. and we train them half seven till nine. So we've had them after a day at work. Mm. We've had them after their long day, whatever they've been doing. Um, and when they when they come to us, um, it's like anyone anyone has had a bad day. You know, they turn up and 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 uh, you're going for a, a tackling training. And, and and you think that's not like them and so then you kind of maybe talk to them and then you find out that they might have had uh, an issue with the boss at work or whatever yeah. or that kind of thing you know so um it's it's yeah See that, I, I think that, i think that's it, probably yeah. that's probably so good from from your perspective that you've been through that because like like we like we said before you don't as men you don't want to talk you know what i mean so if you're actually asking someone if they're all right that goes a long way so like I, yeah. in my experience i've never been asked <clears throat> In, in professional football are you, are you okay you know no one's ever said that to me especially a manager so yeah. the thing is as well there like you say uh, Joe nobody's asked you if you're okay that's it, that's the same in, every, in well it was the, certainly the same in how I worked so I was a teacher I was a PE teacher and nine times out of ten the people who asked if you were okay were your students it weren't mm. the other teachers or it weren't the head teacher or it weren't the deputy yeah. or anything like nine times out of ten it was your, it was your other students but like going back to what Matt said there I snapped my ACL in um, November 2009 and at the time I was playing a lot of football an awful lot of football um, and Quite rightly, obviously, my wife then turned around to me and said, you're not playing football <laughs> until you get your knee sorted, which, which which was probably quite a sensible thing to say, considering every time I put my foot down, my knee buckled and gave way. So it wasn't as if I could go out and play. But Good advice. Yeah, but then when we lost Lily then in the February 2010, my sort of get out and my escapism and what have you had just been taken away from me. Because yeah. all I knew from a respect of, of going out with the lads, having a game of football, going for a pint and stuff and, and what have you, that was just completely taken away. I couldn't do that anymore. What so, did you do, Ryan? Uh, drank, mm. basically. Drank a lot more than I should have. I, was, I mean, I'm, I'm quite an emotional person anyway, and I was quite emotional at the time, as would be expected, but... Again, I just spoke to mates, things like that, went out for a drink. It was net, I couldn't do anything, um, you know, I couldn't do any activity because my knee was knackered and I was waiting for an operation to to repair, mm. you know. And then when I did have my operation, then I've got another however many months, I think it was nine, ten months worth of rehab. And I, I remember going in to see my, the physio the first time. I mean, I'm not obviously fortunate enough like Joe in regard to having a, a club physio and stuff like that. So being in the NHS, I always remember the physio saying it's going to take you 12 months rehab. And, and I started at the beginning of the February, the following year. So this would have been 2011. <coughs> and I said to him, I want to run the Birmingham half marathon in October. 
and he laughed at me and said, you've got absolutely no chance. Mm-hmm. So like that, that to me then was my challenge. It was yeah. like, and I, and I ran the half marathon in the October because it mm-hmm. almost set me that challenge to, for me to be able to put a bit of a focus on things to get active, to, to get myself working again. Cause he knew the story as well. Um, and I, I, I still think to this day, he knew damn well that I'd be able to run the marathon, but I think uh, the half marathon, sorry. But I think the reason he said what he said was because he knew psychologically right, I, okay. I hadn't had that, you know, <clears throat> yeah, that release of energy, you know, and everything. And for me, it was just about going to watch football and being a Villa fan at that time. It wasn't pretty football, if I'm completely honest. <laughs> we were going for a bit of a, as they like to say in football, transition. But uh, no, um, yeah. So I can understand the, you know, the being active and the sort of getting getting through the nitty gritty and, and doing what you know best. But I think one of the questions I want to ask you, Joe, and I hope you don't mind me asking you this, is that you obviously moved down to Plymouth, which was, you said it was about four or five months after losing Leo. Yeah. Had you um, was was Leo cremated or was he buried? Yeah, he was he was cremated. So uh, we still we still got his ashes uh, right. with us. We've got like a little memory box. We still got we still got his ashes with us. We just kind of we've never really we don't know a place to spread him yet. Or we've not yeah. really got a sentimental place to spread him. So we just keep an hold of him. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I think where I was trying to go with with that is that you go down to Plymouth and there's some people, I mean, like we had Lily cremated, but then we buried her ashes. Right. Me, now, I could never move abroad. Mm. I could never move anywhere else in the country because I'm, I'd be leaving. <laughs> yeah. There's yeah. a lot of people like that, that, you know, the baby's buried or they've had the baby <clears throat> and, and they don't want to leave that area because of that. And I just wondered whether that had ever... Been, been a reason why you were perhaps homesick yeah. to some extent. To, to be fair though, I just at the time I just kind of thought, oh, you know, to kind of run away from everything at the time. Really, I think that's why, I, especially why we chose Plymouth. I was a bit like, oh, you know, we need a fresh start. We need a, yeah. you know, I need to get out the house that we're in. I was like, you know, we need to we need to move out, you know, move down to another house and. We rented this, rented this house out, and I never really like we we had his bedroom, everything made up, and I I found it hmm. difficult. My my, my uh, little boys in there now, but I found it difficult. Obviously, you know, coming back into well, when we moved back, coming back into the house because that's that's the, I still see that as his bedroom. Yeah, all this furniture, we decorated it for him. So I think for me, I just kind of wanted to kind of run away from it and just yeah. kind of oh, that's a problem. I'll leave that. I want to try and you know explore something new and hopefully this will bring us happiness but it didn't a lot of the things that we're talking about are things that we've we've also touched upon in previous episodes of this podcast which so for anyone who's listening to this right now watching us right now and you've not you've not heard it or or listened or watched before I urge you to go and check out some of the other episodes. One of the ones which uh, Joe prompted me with actually was when it was the, when you're in the car with three other lads on the way to, I think it was Shrewsbury when you were at Shrewsbury. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, you were, you were saying that no one was talking about it. And yeah. our very first episode was called the elephant in the room. And it was a whole show just dedicated to those awkward conversations when you're 
whatever side of the coin you're on, if you're the person who's been through the tragedy or if you're the friend of, you know, this podcast is also for people who haven't experienced it themselves. I, I'm, I haven't experienced it myself. I met Ryan and Amy about five or six years ago and, um, and Matt through this podcast. So one of the things for me as the host is just learning different ways to have conversations with people, to educate myself, Mm. And to also highlight the awareness of men and mental health, talking and not talking. So I think that's a, that's a great episode for anyone to go and have a listen back to. And there was another mm. one, which was the distractions. There was a whole episode we did on distractions where, um, again, we, we mentioned Ryan. And obviously drink is, is a big thing. And the way that people throw themselves into, into certain different lifestyle elements. The guy that we had on Ian two weeks ago, he, his, his distraction became food. And in the space of 10 months, he went on to lose half of his body weight as a way of just helping him mentally get, you know, not get over things, but just live with a little bit less pain every day, knowing that he was doing something and, and raising money. His charity is running for Hank, if anyone wants to have a look at that. Joe, thank you very much for coming on with us again. I'm just, I'm curious about with at this stage in your career, because obviously footballers as a player, it's a it's quite an intense career, isn't it? And it's not the the, yeah. the most lengthy of careers. So, what do you see your your future being like? I mean, you're still only in your twenties, aren't you? So, I mean, it's a long yeah. way, yeah. But yeah, you know how with the with the journey that you've been on so far with with everything, what are you what are you thinking about? I I obviously want to play as long as I can. Um, I've obviously hopefully my knee that I'm struggling with at the minute is is all all right and allows me to do that. I'm sure it will. Um, well, fingers crossed anyway. But yeah, it's just, I I kind of want to, my, my little boy's two now, well, nearly two, like I said before, and he's oh. kind of coming into football. Brilliant. So I want I want him to come and watch me play. Like that's, that's always been a dream of mine. What's, what's like, his name? He's called Jace. So everyone look out for Jace Riley. Yeah. He <laughs> yeah, he's, he's a bit different. He's left-footed as well, which is a bit, I don't know where he's got that from. I don't know where he's got that from. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've noticed yeah. this but I've, I've never understood this you know with commentators in football and I know we're going off track a little bit here but I only ever hear the word cultured when the player's got a left foot you never hear left a commentator foot, go yeah. cultured right foot what's that all about no. I'm telling you now Dan <clears throat> yeah you have to culture to kick with your left foot trust me yeah. it's almost like right with your left hand yeah. <laughs> like, well, well I'm, I'm left handed yeah. left handed it's crazy it's uh just, no. it just looks better they just look better don't they I think they that's do. what it is yeah, yeah. I don't know why it's like I was I was thinking Messi was right footed would everyone <laughs> rave about him the way they did they probably would <laughs> he definitely looks better because he's left footed doesn't he yeah <laughs> you know what we should do here Dan we should uh we should, you know what <laughs> I should have done I should, no, I should have done the football facts of the day, but I can't jump back to that square one. Oh, but, yeah, yeah, go on. Yeah, remind <laughs> everyone, well, you've started now, so you have to, right, you have I'll, to say uh, it. Yeah. You, can't, you can't start yeah. it and not say it when we're live. All right, Joe. So the saying, back to square one, all right? Do you yeah. think that originated from football commentary or not? I don't know. Maybe. I, I've heard a Just humour him, Joe. I've, I've heard a few <laughs> managers say it, so yeah, it could be anything, anything, could be anything mate. So yeah. basically, back to square one was from the original commentaries back in the 1920s, I think it was. Right. So whenever they were commentating on a game over the wireless, which it was known as obviously at that time, you'd have yeah. a commentator and a co-commentator. 
and they'd right. pitch up into squares. So whenever the ball went back to the goalkeeper, it was known oh, as back to square back one. To square one, yeah. Oh, no way. Back to the day. <clears throat> there you go. I didn't know that. <laughs> so you can tell <laughs> Gaffer the next time he says back yeah, to square yeah. one. Yeah, you can tell him. <laughs> back to square one. Yeah. Next, time, uh, next time Joe does any interview for anyone about football, he's going to go, this guy Ryan gave me the weirdest fact the other day. Yeah. <laughs> Something else that I wanted, I think you've already, you've kind of touched on it a little bit already, Joe, because it's it's such a blokey, I guess almost macho to a degree. I mean, I played Sunday league football, so I remember the smell of DP and just being around the lads. Mm-hmm. And it is just a very sort of lad, you know, things are changing now for the better, but just that experience... How were you with that, just being around a bunch of guys during the, the rawness of it all? Do you think that was something that maybe now you can look back on it a few years later was a, was a, was a beneficial thing or it was just too much noise and it was something? No, I, like, I, like I said, I, I'm, I'm that type of character that I'm quite, you know, I love uh, taking the mick out of people's actions, like doing everything really, taking the mick out of lads and getting it back to me. So I, I, that's how I found that like therapy. Okay. So good. whenever I used to go in the dressing room, I just used to forget about everything. Like Wait. I've, I've been quite lucky, really. I've I've met some great lads in the dressing rooms that I've been at, and always kept in good touch with them. So, I for me that was that was the thing that kind of made me forget about everything. If I'm being brutally honest, yeah. and just kind of got me through it. I, th- I think probably even if the lads. That, you know, if the lads ever listen to me talk like talk like this, they'd probably mm. be like, "God, I didn't even know you're going through that, mate." You know what I mean? They'd, yeah. you'd have no idea because, of, like yeah. I said, I'm such a lively character. But I, that's the way that I am. You know what I mean? I I love being in, in the dressing room. I think mm. if I was to look back on my career when I retire, and that's the one thing that I'd definitely miss. I'd definitely miss going yeah. in the dressing room, playing with your mates, playing football. Yeah. What's what's better than that? I mean, when I when I think about it, I was I'm quite lucky to have the job that I have especially with the experience of Leo that listen like, I, I got to play football I know I was talking about you know moving down to Plymouth and moving away from family but at the end of the day I was I was waking yeah. up going into a dressing room where I had five six really good mates of mine yeah. and then I went and played football with them like what what is better than that yeah. what is better therapy than that I don't think there is like I said I did find it tough but at the same time I'm really quite lucky to do the job that I have and especially during that time Absolutely. And we, we've said it again. And once again, it's a theme which is coming out through the podcast. The whole, you know, as guys, we don't talk enough. I'm pretty mm. sure that I don't talk enough to, to my closest male friends. I don't really know what issues have been going on with them in the last, mm. especially over the last year. We will keep it, you know, you only do WhatsApp groups and stuff, but it's been it's been over a year now since I've seen a few of my, my closest friends. And it's not the same when you mm-hmm. a lot of things can get lost in translation just over a text message, which mm-hmm. is why I'm a fan of the voice note that's right on the test too. Probably doesn't yep. like. Yeah. <laughs> Dan loves a voice note, especially when you're still sat there five minutes later listening to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Ryan or Matt, have you got anything else you'd like to talk about with Joe or anything that you'd like to ask Joe? We'll get yeah, I've got a quick question for Joe, which is coming on Facebook. First one is from somebody called Sophie Adam, Joe. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> she said that Jace gets it from her Uncle Charlie. Is that right? Yeah, her uncle, yeah. Her uncle Charlie's Charlie Adam. So, oh, okay. Know, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, Sophie's Sophie's husband, uh, which is my missus' sister. Right. She's married to Charlie Adam. So, yeah, I think he gets it from there. He gets his left foot from That's there. Very from cool. it. <laughs> <laughs> 
And actually, Joe, in all fairness, I think you've answered this one. And, and it's a question from Sam Belcher. Um, so Sam, Sam actually features on our featured, sorry, on our very first podcast, and he plays. Oh yeah, Sam played as well, didn't he? he? Football yeah. as well. Yeah, he plays yeah. for. Uh, I think it's Atherston. I think he plays for, but he's also played at a, a, a real decent level. And actually, his question was, um, how was Joe's teammates, managers towards mm. him once he went back into training and games and. You know, once they obviously know what has happened, did, was it was it still they treated you like the same old Joe, or did, or do you feel it no, changed? No, it, it definitely changed. I mean, the manager at the time, um, a fella called Paul Hurst, he's a Grimsby manager now. Mm. He was brilliant, to be fair, like really, really good. I remember the t- I remember one time we they were playing the Checker Trade Trophy Final at Wembley, and I think I'd played like near, near enough every round. And he said to me, right, we're going to go, going to go. This is about, I'd say it's about a month after, mm. after Leo, after the we had, I don't know, mm. yeah, around about a month. But he said, we're going to go down to Wembley on the Thursday. So we're going to stay Thursday night, train Friday morning, stay Friday night, and then the game on the Saturday. And I'd not, I'd not played like for obviously a month or whatever. So um, he said, you know, I want you to come down, you can train with us and I can't guarantee that you're going to be involved because obviously you're not played. So I said, I think, I think to be honest, I think he would have was going to put me on the bench. I think that's half the reason he wanted me to go. But I, it, it, I packed my bag, everything going to go, and I literally couldn't. I, I fucking, I can't leave Kaylee for two days. Like I just can't. Mm. So I pulled him, and I just said, I'm sorry, Gaff. I said, I can't, I can't go for two days. Like I just, I just can't mm. in my head. I just can't be in an hotel, like knowing yeah. that my missus, you know, she she would have gone to her mum's, but was yeah. I wasn't going to be there for her basically. So we just said, oh, no, listen, that's fine. Go, you know, go home. But what I would say is just, you know, on the Saturday morning, just drive down to London and and be with us, really, because it would mean the world to me. So, like I say, he was he was excellent. After Leo, he gave me as much time off as I wanted. I had about two weeks and then I came. Yeah. I wanted some <clears throat> structure back in back into my life, so... I started going back in after two weeks. Like I say, he was he was fantastic. Really, really good man, family man. That's that's he's probably the best manager for that whole situation. Really, I couldn't have picked a better person to to kind of yeah, just be in charge at the time. How did it feel <laughs> your your first game back? Maybe not well on the pitch, and also you know leading up to the game. Did it feel different? Yeah, it did. It did. Um, like I say, when when he put he put <clears> me on. And I, he, put, he put me on in midfield. I never played midfield like before. I played it as a kid and all that. But he put me on midfield, and I remember coming on, and the fans just giving me a, a massive round of applause and started singing me in. And like I said, I started welling up. Oh, yeah. I was a bit like, but in terms, of, yeah, how was how did that? I mean, this 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 is the most least important part of it. But I'm curious as as a fan. But how did that affect your performance? To be, and, honestly, and your I, the, I think I was I was brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> was that your new position honestly, after that? Were you always he, midfield after that? Yeah, he said. He, he honestly said to me after that, I, "Like, I see you as you can definitely do a, jo- a job for mid- in midfield for us." Because oh, wow. I think the captain got injured, and he was like, "Listen," he said, "I think and I think Neil and my I was we got in the playoffs, and I was very very close to playing midfield in the playoffs for him." So, no like I said, it was it was it was a weird one, but yeah, I ended up playing really well. So, a strange one. <laughs> Well, listen, Joe. We'll uh, we'll leave it there. Thank you so much for giving up your your time on a Sunday evening to join us on the Lily May Foundation Still Parents podcast. We would love to talk to you again, 
uh, if you'd be up for a little bit further down yeah. the line and yeah brilliant yeah catch up. look forward to it um, we see how things are going on. Thank you very much to everyone who's who's been having a, a listen. If you are going through a tough time at the moment, just remember it's it's good to talk. It's I know it's a cliche, I know it's cheesy, but it it really makes a difference. And you have people that are here to help you. If you would like to come on to maybe talk about something or just get in touch privately with Ryan or with Amy, uh, you can do through their uh, pages, Lily May Foundation. On, uh, on their social media or through their website thank you very much Joe all the best thank with you. your with your recovery enjoy your summer thank you. and uh, yeah we'll watch out for for Jace Riley on the pitch yeah. in a few years time yeah fingers crossed he doesn't have his dad in, dad's injuries and all that <laughs> <laughs> uh, brilliant thank you very much have a great week everybody and we will be back we got, we're back in two weeks aren't we Ryan we are we're back in two weeks yeah, it's, we're flying through these, haven't we, Dan? We're nearly at the end of well, we're halfway through season two now, so it's yeah, yeah. Well, we'll have to uh, get one of them, one of them live from a beer garden at some Absolutely. point. Yeah, we could even go up to Manchester and have one in, in a beer garden in <laughs> Manchester when he's allowed. Yeah, definitely, brilliant. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, good night, everyone, and we will be back to speak to you with our next episode very soon. You take care.